Hello and welcome back to another episode of Life of Brian. We are proudly brought to you by Grimley's, the number one source of fasteners and construction supplies. Hello, Brian. Hello, uh, yes. What's your name? Harrison. You should introduce yourself always when you start so people know who you are. All right, no worries. So you're Harrison. Massive episode ahead. We've got a a few things to get through. We've got finals footy, got a few other footy topics to get through. Um, We're going to talk about what a Friday build-up as a commentator looks like for you, so all the intricacies behind your preparation. Mm. We've also got um, Taylor Harris joining us. Superstar of the AFLW. And a boxing champion as well. Two-time Australian uh, champion in multiple weight divisions. Look so forward yeah, to that. Yep. We've, got a, we've got a massive show, so I can't wait to get stuck into it. Um, and as I said, off the top, we want to talk a little bit of footy. Yes. Talk us through um, the finals. We're, we're, we're now into the finals. We're, yep. we're one, week, one week into the finals. What have you seen so far? What I have uh, learned again, this I learn every year, but it, it's consolidated in my mind now, that despite all of the experts telling us how the game is going to be played and won – and why teams can't win uh, a particular game against a particular opponent. It was particularly evident on the Thursday night in the Collingwood game, I reckon, because I was told that, you know, know, uh, Collingwood uh, played through the corridor and Melbourne's defence is too strong, they'll never get through, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, no, in finals, it is a completely different game. Things change. The processes that teams have followed so closely during the year, they're forced to find an alternative. And it almost boils down to the 22 against the other 22 and the best 22 normally win, providing they all play at a high level. And I reckon that is what is happening. How many times did you see Collingwood go through the middle of the ground? Their renowned runoff halfback slingshot through the centre square. Mm. I reckon it happened once for the game. They were forced to find another way to win. Did, ga- wet, did the wet weather play a part in that a little bit? A little bit early yeah. in the game, and it got drier and drier as the game went on. But I've been looking at all of the other teams, and I just think that everything that we've learned about teams in the home and away game, you can almost put that to one side, and you've got to start again. Give players some credit. All those experts out there, give players some credit. That is, when it comes down to it, they'll just beat their opposition player one-on-one. And I reckon that happens more than ever in finals. And it's generally the ones who adapt quickest and best win. Absolutely. And, you know, Collingwood just hugged the boundary line basically all night in that particular game. And I've seen it in other games over the weekend as well. And the crowds are back. They're massive. Wow. Gee, incredibly uh, massive crowds. You know, what was it, 92-odd thousand uh, to start it off on a Thursday. And then great crowd with Carlton again. Fantastic. Just the MCG is back. Melbourne is back as a finals venue. And just what a fantastic way to start. People just can't get enough of footy at the moment. It was like the period that we were locked away for a couple of years there reinvigorated everyone's thirst for our game, which is which is fantastic. I mean, the thing I've noticed this year about footy, how many games have been sold out? Either they have a different um, a different system for saying a game is sold out. It just seems that this year, every big game, they would say on a Tuesday or Wednesday, tickets are sold. It's hard to get tickets. I reckon they've changed their 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 way of promoting the game. They love saying it's sold out Absolutely because it, it, it's great for the game. It's just the 
it's just the the few public areas that are sold out. The the rest is still yeah. open. You know, corporates uh, can still buy a ticket. Uh, members can still get in because that's not sold out. So it's just the public uh, sections that are sold out, not the rest of the ground. The public section is only about. 50% of the ground. Yeah, but they're back in a big way. It's, it's awesome to see. Yep. The atmosphere has been unreal. Switching gears a little bit, something a little bit different. We just wanted to speak about, it was announced last week, that Mark Thompson is going to have a role on grand final day. Yep, that's fantastic. We, we are so good in our game at forgiving those that have perhaps transgressed in different directions. Got a bit uh, of a dark past. Yeah, and, and Mark Thompson had a momentary lapse uh, in a period of his life. And for us as a football family to be able to welcome back in, I say congratulations to Gillan McLaughlin and whoever's idea it was at AFL HQ, fantastic. Get a guy like this back in, presenting one of the major awards on grand final day is absolutely fantastic. So I'm delighted that our game, I'm proud of our game to be able to put our arms around someone like Mark Thompson and say, mate, uh, we know you transgressed ever so slightly but we want you to follow us. Do you know him pretty well? In this direction. I don't know him that well. I know his brother, Steve Thompson, really well. I've met Bomber many, many times, but I wouldn't say I know him yeah. incredibly well. But, but he's well. going all right now. Yeah, sounds. as yeah. far as I know he is. So it's just it's just great to have him back in the football world. And I hope uh, in the years to come, he fills a more prominent role, Yeah, which uh, is possible. And last one with the with the footy topics. Are you at all worried about the AFL and the delay with the with the CBA? Given the AFLW has started and we're now oh, this is a hobby horse of yours, mate. This is this is you as a manager, as an athlete manager. For those that don't know Har- Harrison's real job, uh, despite he thinks this is a real job, this is a fake job. His real job is as an athlete manager with NC Management. And uh, you're just speaking from that point of view. Am I worried about the CBA not being done for both the women and the men? Of course I'm not. No, it'll get done in time. Better to have it done right than to have it done quickly and wrong. Um, and I'm sure what it seems to me at the moment, that, and this is the, the, the case in every negotiation, every pay dispute, there's, uh, you know, the, the players want more and the, uh, you know, the official body want less. And yeah. that's, that's where it's at. Our game can only afford so much. I am very confident in the people that run our, run our game, um, Gil and Andrew Dillon and all of those at HQ. I'm very confident in them to get it right. And when they say, by way of not signing the deal, that the deal's not good for our game, I'm happy for them to hold off and take as long as they need to wear the opposition down, who in this case happens to be your clients, the players. Well, they, yeah, they'd be saying the opposite of that and that the AFLPA would be wearing down the AFL. They will get a good deal and yep, they, they will be happy will. with the deals they yep. get. So yep. I've got no problem. It's all about compromises. Um, yeah, moving on again. So I wanted to hear about your build-up. Um, so the preparation involved in a Friday night call, for example. Talk us through from when you wake up in the morning to the siren goes on a Friday night, what, what is going on in your little world? Well, as you know, because uh, you're my son, I live in Lawn. And so what I do is if it's a normal weekend, Friday, Saturday and Sunday of football, I would arrive in Melbourne on a Friday and um, therefore I, we, we have a place in uh, inner Melbourne in Fitzroy. Um, so I'm not having to come from Lawn on the day. So that rules out the travel. So on a, on a Friday- so you mean you'd come Thursday night? Yes, Thursday yeah, night, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So on a Friday morning, I'll get up, 
eight or nine o'clock in the morning, head down to Stagger Lee's, which is our local coffee shop in Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Um, and there are not many people in the shop at that stage. And I will take all of my football um, uh, bits and pieces. Yep, documents. Uh, documents, if you can call them that. <laughs> and I will sit there and take a look at the game that I'm doing that night and the other games I'm doing for that weekend, but particularly Friday night football. I'll have a look at the teams, a really close look at the teams, not in the positions they are because they're, they're never right in the paper, but what I where I think they'll line up, who I think could be a late change, rumours I've heard about that, and I'll document all of that. I'll also, the most important thing for me on a Friday morning when I'm preparing for a Friday night game is I need roughly somewhere between four and six individual items of interest that I can bring up during the game if the game is boring. So where are you getting them from? Um, I'm getting them from all sorts of areas. Our statisticians at Channel 7, Josh and, uh, and Swamp, are absolutely fantastic. I'm hearing stuff from individuals. I was making, have, a, making a few phone calls. Spoken to during the week, yep, and uh, people close to footy. Do you read the paper? Uh, I read the paper, uh, get a little bit out of that. Yep. That's that's a good source of information as well. The picture so, book? The what? The picture book? What picture book? The Herald Sun? Yeah. Oh, it's smarty. <laughs> uh, anyway, I will document six points on each side in case I need them. The hope is that the game is so damn delightful that I won't need any of the six and I'll just be able to call the game. That's my aim, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So that's coffee morning? Coffee morning, probably over two lattes by the time I'm done and out of there. That's probably an hour or two that I might spend in there. And sometimes just sitting there thinking, not really saying much. And and you'll say to me, you know, can I come down for a coffee? I'll say no. Because I, I don't need you in my ear talking about something in life that doesn't matter. This is, yeah, a form of meditation and preparation. Yep. So you. then I let it go. Um, I'll go go for a walk, take Hansel for a walk around the block, whatever. No, you don't. That's a lie. Um, and, <laughs> Tell and, us what you really do. Yeah, no, and uh, do that. So I'll go back to Fitzroy and uh, wander around a little bit. But at about 2 o'clock, I'll no, s- no, go back, go back. You come home. Yeah. You have a shave, a shower. Yeah, I haven't got there yet. Yeah, all oh, right. So see, this is this is if you but just we jumped like, to two o'clock. If you, yeah, because I don't do much between. Yeah, but what do you watch? You watch all those shit shows that you yeah. love so much yes. on A and E. So talk us through a tour, tour of those. Look, if there's a bit of um, a bit of stuff on about the game I'm doing that night, I'll watch that on on Fox Footy. Um, uh, otherwise, I'll turn to Channel One Thirty Three, and that is um, Discovery. Yeah. And I'll watch Gold Rush America, Gold Rush Australia, and any other Gold Rush I can get my hands on. And you're not just flicking. You've actually had those recorded. Ta- a- a- our um, Foxtel box is full of recordings of yeah. these stupid shows. Yeah, yeah. The same thing happens every week. Uh, American- they, they almost get the ounce of gold that they need and they just miss out, but then they get it at the end. American Pickers, which is fantastic. You know, finding old shit over in the, in the US is great. Australian Pickers, not so good, but still r- r- sort of mildly entertaining. Anyway, so I'll watch all those shows yep. during the day and then and then about three o'clock, bang, into the shower. I've done all my homework. I know I've got that. I've got my clothes laid out. I'm ready to go um, and I will jump in the shower, bang, I'm off to the ground by about 20 to 4. I will arrive at the MCG at 4 o'clock, into the MCG, up to the commentary box. No one's there except for the technicians setting up cameras and sound. First there. And all that. I'm the first of the commentary team uh, there by probably nearly an hour. And I like that because, once again, it's that one hour 
of me time. I sit down, get all my stuff ready, get the pen in the exact location this that I need it. This is hour five get of the me phone, time, by the way. <laughs> get all my stuff stuck on the monitors so I have all of the names, everything, uh, work out who's playing, who's so not playing. So you tape some stuff to the monitors. Yeah, tape stuff yep. to the monitors so I have a quick uh, ability to be able to look and know what numbers are, et cetera. And what does that setup look like? You've got um, monitor to the left, the ground in the middle. We've got three or four monitors. We've yep. got different camera angles. Information. I've, I've got a close-up monitor that I, you know, I can if I'm struggling to identify a player rather than use my binoculars, I can look at the screen to the left. Um, and then there's the on-air screen as well. And then there's the stats coming from through from Champion Data that are there as well. So there's all of that um, directly in front of us. But it's mainly just getting there, filling position, uh, getting dressed into the suit. The suit's already at the uh, ground waiting for you. Uh, into the suit, bit of makeup. And then guys are starting to arrive at this stage. We have a meeting at five o'clock, um, a group meeting at five o'clock or around about that time. I might have a couple of meetings around about 4.30 down in the rooms for the roaming stuff if I'm doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, so you meet um, with the teams. Just meeting with the teams to see where we're allowed to go and where we're not allowed to go um, and getting any any sort of backroom stories. So there's all of that happening between four and five. At five o'clock, it gets official. Team meeting. This is what we're doing tonight, fellas. Our producer rundown. comes in, run down about 30 pages, go through that. Everyone asks the appropriate questions there. Uh, then it's sort of uh, into pre-record mode if you've got to go down and interview a player or a coach at a certain time. Um, and everyone starts wandering at this stage and getting ready. Normally about 6.30 people need to be in their positions, whether it's down on the boundary line at the table, the desk there where they will do it, or whether it's up in the studio. Do you have dinner? Uh, yeah, have 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 dinner sometimes. Um, when I get to the ground, you can go down. There's a staff quarters down below. Yep. You can go and have something to eat down there if you want, or there's stuff brought to the box as well that there's you can nibble on throughout the night. It's not it's not fantastic, the old pie and pasty uh, for the weight. So that's about it. Then I get to the game. I'm away. Is that it? Is that how detailed you want yeah, it? Yeah, that was pretty good. That's yeah, that a, was quick. That's about all I do. And, so, and you sound like you enjoy that. But yes, but it is <laughs> what I want to point out. It is a full day. Regardless of whether you're just watching TV or doing nothing, it is about cleansing the mind. And that's why I don't watch a lot of footy shows and and listen to a lot of radio stations talking footy during the week because you want to go with your own ideas. You don't want to go to the game with someone else's thoughts and ideas. You want to make up your own mind about things. So that there, there, there is one thought mode, and that is if you don't listen to too much, then you'll go definitely with your own thoughts and opinions on things. The other one is if you do listen, it's good to have that as background knowledge. So there's just a little bit of bit of each in me having a half a dozen each way. If yeah. You like. yeah, very nice. One um, follow-up from last week, we obviously had the, the Pram boys on. Mm -hmm. We sp spoke about a lot of stories, and someone just gave me a nudge and said, we might have missed one. There was a story where you got suspended one week as a player, and you were the coach as well, mm -hmm. and then the, the next week um, that suspension meant that you couldn't be on the ground, and therefore you couldn't coach. I heard there was a cherry picker involved, and you coach from outside the ground. With the cherry picker hanging mm -hmm. over the fence? Yes. No, not true. true. Not true. Partly true. I was suspended as coach and I wasn't allowed on the ground, but I got the players uh, at the breaks, quarter time and three-quarter time, because the ground was the only place I was not allowed to go. I was allowed in the rooms, of course. 
um, and I got them to come over to the picket fence and I addressed them at the picket fence um, without uh, venturing onto the ground. So that was a true story. The the one about the cherry picker comes from, uh, comes from uh, Campbell Brown's dad, Malcolm Brown, who was a big, big name in Western Australia in waffle football. I remember, and he coached South Fremantle, the team that I actually supported. And I remember this. This was before I left Western Australia as a kid. I remember he whacked an old lady with an umbrella when he was coming off the ground. Oh, my God. Um, and it was, you know, that was pretty normal in those days. <laughs> what? He, he just gave her a bit Maybe of a – He oh, just yeah. gave her a bit of a hurry up on the way off the ground. With an, she'd come over and abused him, so oh. he, he just whacked her with the umbrella. Just a little tap, little gentle tap. Um, anyway, he got suspended as coach for whacking the old lady with the umbrella. So he went and hired the um, – what do you call it? Cherry them? picker. Cherry picker. And uh, it, it made big news over there and he lowered it over the picket fence and he got it about one inch off the ground, right, and lowered it right down into the what middle of the players. Us. And the whole, you know, the, everyone's filming this and it's on TV and it made all the news. It was just fantastic. And that was Mel Brown. He, like his son Campbell Brown, just great characters of the yeah. game, great personalities of the game, great thinkers of the game and really good at what they do. So uh, I love Malcolm Brown. He's really good at working the system. Yeah, he He's finding a loophole. He has had some incredible things. Who was it that come to the front? Journalists come to the front door and he told them to F off once. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> just you never know what he's going to do, Brown. He's a ripper. Mm. And um, one other little story or personal thing. So I've had a a um, a question come in from, mm. we actually know this person, Nikki Chu, she's over in WA as well. Yep. She just asked, would you choose football as a career path for your son or daughter? You've obviously got four boys. Would you choose a, that path as in playing AFL, AFLW. Pretty basic question from Nikki, I would have thought. But um, it's would a good I? One. Yeah, of course I would. I would allow my kids to do whatever they want to do. And would I choose if they really wanted to play football professionally as a career path? Absolutely. But you don't choose to go the career path, it chooses you in our game, in, in elite level sport. It chooses you, Harrison. By that I mean you've got to be good enough. Yeah, for it to, to to reach the level. So it's not one of those professions that you can just choose because you want to do. You actually have to be good enough. So that's that's part of the problem. But I'd have no problems in getting my kids to go and play uh, elite level football in Australia. I think it's a really safe sport. It's getting even safer. Um, I think it's it's a great community sport. It's a great uh, team sport. Absolutely no issues at all. I think the ones I would be not so confident encouraging my kids to go and play, probably the individual sports. Yes, they pay the most, golf, tennis, but what a what a what a hard life for a kid to travel around the world, um, you know, basically by themselves doing the. I hard count yards. myself very lucky to be involved in team sports throughout my life. Yeah. It's Team sports, you, go, you hear all those individuals, all they want to do is play for teams. You know, the golfers want to play in the Ryder Cup. The tennis players, you know, Davis Cup. want to play in the Davis Cup or Federation yeah. Cup, whatever it is. So, yeah, no problems. All right, Harrison, let's keep going here. We've got our, uh, got our guest with us, which is going to be absolutely fantastic, of which you've arranged for me. What is the, uh, what is the relationship between you and Taylor? Introduce Taylor So first. we're sitting here with Taylor Harris. Taylor Harris, for those who don't know, is a champion AFLW footballer and a Australian boxing champion or former Australian boxing champion. Well, she still is. Yeah. NC Management, the company that I work for, yeah. started managing Taylor a few months ago now. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks. Wow, what's it like uh, having one of your clients here? Oh, you got two of your two clients, clients in the yeah, room this now. Is, this is a very <laughs> special room to me for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, and I'll, look, look, Taylor, I, I won't lie. 
before getting to know you over the last couple of months, I had the media had put something in my brain that was a preconceived opinion of who you were, negative or positive. It really wasn't that bad, but I just sort of thought this is who Taylor is, the person that I see in the media. And getting to know you over the last couple of months, I've been absolutely blown away by the type of person you are, the content of your character. Your default setting is pretty much kindness and you have such a relaxed approach to life. It's very different to the stressful environment that Brian promotes. But <laughs> I, I just wanted to commend you and, it, and it's sort of a slap on the wrist for me is don't make assumptions about people oh, based on what you see in the media. Everyone knows that. God, could you get any more soppy? Taylor's but, just about crying. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm in tears. I can't, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> to start soft, Taylor, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is a bit of a weird show. It's obviously son and father. but um, And yeah. we, we go different lines of attack, don't we? We do, we do. Um, yeah. Both very sporting growing up. What was what was the passion for you when you were really young? Yeah, you seem really sporty. You seem to love all sport. Yeah, I was definitely a kid who uh, had plenty of energy to expel. And I think mum and dad uh, were more than happy for me to do whatever it was. So this is in Queensland, yeah? Yeah, I grew up in Brisbane on the north side. Uh, and yeah, had a had a really fortunate and uh, fun childhood. My dad is a boat mechanic. Mum oh. loves the outdoors. So we spent a lot of time. Other siblings? Yeah, brother Jack, two years older. So grew up with a um, yeah little friend and got to just go around and do fun stuff uh, growing up in Brisbane, which wasn't as hectic as perhaps here in Melbourne. Didn't have trams to worry about. And um, so was it little athletics initially, or was there something else? Oh, there was everything. Footy right. yeah. first, really. Fight when I was five. Dad wow. played footy in Queensland. Up. Yeah, yeah, which at school that's like, unusual. It yeah. was me and one other kid, pretty much. So I was going to say it would school. almost be non-existent up there. Yeah, it, at that time, particularly. Was, was that an influence from someone else or your dad, or did, yeah, like, did dad. he play footy? Yeah, dad yeah. did. He played for Queensland. He played because he just joined up at school with his mates. Right. Um, really organic. Right. And I just wanted to be like him and played footy. He so, sounds like a ripper dad. What Warren's his name was? was it? Big was. was yeah. Yeah, he he was. sounds <laughs> almost like me, doesn't he, you Harrison? Both sound very mechanically minded. I think if we put you two in a room, we could pretty much fix anything. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. We loved – does he love tools and stuff? Yeah, for yeah. sure. And he's then, you know, influenced me to – be quite handy with things. Like if something's broken, I'm just going to fix it or at least find a way to fix when it. When you go home, do you work on boats with him? Yeah, sometimes. Could like you? if Yeah. I'll, Dad at the moment has got a bit of an average hip, so he um, finds it hard to get around in and out of boats as easily as he used to. So I'll help where I can. Obviously, he'll tell me what he needs done and I'll just make it happen. But uh, I actually went up to Hamilton Island with him for a big job that he had okay. um, just to be the the one who gets in and out of the yeah, right. of the boat because it was up on the sling right. at the marina and obviously that's a yeah ladder then step yeah. then in. Yeah. So if you weren't doing the boxing and footy, what do you reckon you'd be doing for a job? Yeah, I, I started, I was a bike mechanic, push bike mechanic early on and that was just through a guy that dad worked on his boat, Jason, and then he said, yeah. I had my BMX bike that I didn't so want to leave So a cycling mechanic? Yeah. Really? Yeah, so I didn't want to leave that at the shop. You could have been on the Tour de France. They, they're they big, aren't they? They're the most important <laughs> ingredient with the guys on the Tour de France. Bikes, yeah. Uh, mechanics. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, bike's pretty important yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it, it was just – I just did whatever I wanted. Like if I wanted to – well, for example, like I, I wanted to learn to fix things. So I learned to sew, I learned to, to fix things mechanically, I learned to, you know – 
if I need to know something, I'll. Work I think it you're out. the daughter that he never had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. This is what he wants from me, but I'm just not that way inclined. No, that's what I wanted from all four of you, but yeah. you've got none of you have got an inkling of any sort of mechanical knowledge in you, have because you? Because you're so good at it, we just call you and ask you to the, do it. These are the guys I have to show how to use a shovel. Yeah, right. They don't know how He's to use joking, a shovel. Taylor. Or He's a rake. definitely joking. I'm yeah. not convinced that he is joking. So skipping <laughs> the, we'll come back to the footy and the boxing, but looking beyond that. Will you come back to the stuff you're talking about now, do you think, or do you think you'll disappear off into another area? No, I think I'm pretty – I'll pivot around. Like sometimes I'm in, you know, the mindset to go in one direction and then it, I'm not bothered if it changes. Yeah. Like I don't have yeah. any um, – You adapt. Yeah, I just adapt. And like, I don't owe anyone anything. Like if I say that I'm going to go do something and I don't end up doing it for good reason, I don't need to go back and say, oh, by yeah. the way, I didn't actually fulfill that. I have no fear of failure really, like especially in business. Like I don't – I'll I'll put whether it be money or time into something and if it doesn't mm. work out, provided I've learned something from it, I'm all good. Like I don't get stressed about it. There's been plenty of times where I've dipped into something and then um, either lost financially in – not in a significant – capacity, but like lost yeah. a bit, but then I'm not phased because I learned a fair bit too. So 26 years of age. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's plenty, plenty of footy, plenty of boxing left in you. If you had to choose right now, let's say um, <laughs> they, they were both so professional, fully yeah. professional, it's a bit of a hypothetical, football, fully professional, paying well, boxing, chance at world titles, paying well, which one is your number one passion? Which way would you go, do you reckon? Well, mon- like the money bit obviously helps with anything, probably more more so helps with training and stuff. So yeah. I think that isn't really relevant if they're both the same. Like, it, Yeah, okay, neither. let's assume they're both the same. And then I, yeah, I mean if they're both the same and I both, and both of them I can train at the level and capacity with the coaches that I would want, then I reckon, I mean f- footy for me, like the team – element on yeah, fields. We're talking about this yeah, before. Yeah, we talked about this before. I guess it's, you get great things out of both. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the team's really important, isn't it? I think for me, like, spending so much time and, like, giving everything, being super vulnerable and, like, training your ass off and then as a team of 30 and then being able to achieve success, which I did um, recently in the last season, it was just literally the best feeling ever. Like yeah. looking left and right, seeing people for various different reasons who have gone through so many different things um, have this amazing moment. In boxing, that there is that too. Like you, you go through so much with your coaches and your family and your supporters so that there's that element as well. But for me, like celebrating with other people yeah, who have experienced the exact same thing and gone through physically the same thing. I just feel like that has a little bit of an edge. You seem like a very selfless player, as a especially as a forward. I know yeah, he was obvious. very, yeah. very selfish uh, rather than self. <laughs> self. I've seen you give off handballs in the goal square to, to other stupid. To don't ever do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's um, it's just I just think it's fun to bring people into it. Mm. Like you know, there's players yeah. that for at times in a unique scenario, like there might be a younger player perhaps who, if I handball this ball off. And she kicks a goal. It could be the reason that lift. she kicks gets on the end of a goal in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. you know, because she keeps. Yeah, up. you mentioned vulnerability. Is that more prevalent? Do you think in boxing where you are? I mean, you've got the team behind you to get you into the ring to get you prepared. But once you jump in the ring, it is just you. You are extremely vulnerable in that position. Yeah, uh, yeah. I reckon boxing's. I think for me, different. Like, you, provided I've done all the preparation required of me, which I do, um, and I've got 
yeah, a pretty meticulous training schedule. I'm confident. I'm in there. And if it if it doesn't go to plan, then I'm not, you know, thinking, oh, what what could I have done better? It's just like I'll reassess next time and probably attack it in a different way. Um, so I recently lost my last fight, although I went eight rounds with the Australian champion. And your first loss. Yeah, first your loss. Your only loss. But I wasn't like it was actually really interesting after that fight. Um, I went into the change room and obviously I was a bit like, you know, that, that wasn't supposed yeah. to happen. But I wasn't overwhelmed with like sadness or anger or anything. I was just like a few minutes later. The one thing that was annoying was that I'd hurt my like I'd um had a You're big You were so worried about eye. training for footy the next day. Yeah, I had training on the third <laughs> I fought on the Wednesday and I was like, I want to be at training training and not missing a thing on Thursday. So the idea of not being able to fly because of the pressure in my eye annoyed me. So yeah. I was a bit like, oh let's just get this over with. Yeah. It was fine. Like, you, you know, he, you hit your head on a cupboard door and you yep. get a little bump or whatever. Yep. So I knew that it looked worse than it really was. It wasn't broken, no fracture or anything. Um, so I was fine to move forward. But I just wanted to get on with yeah. things because this is the luxury of doing two sports. You One doesn't go right. You've just got the other one to fall into and give everything to. And you yeah. would have walked into the club and you would have felt like a million bucks with the girls around you. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I'm, I could not be in a better, more like caring and loving environment than Melbourne Footy Club yeah, right now. Yeah. And that group of girls is special. Like obviously um, having achieved success recently on the field, but I think that's just the start. So I'm excited for what we can achieve moving forward. But we just care so much about each other and we we literally just love each other's company. Like, And I'm sure most teams, if not all teams, think that, that that's there. But there's another layer too that I guess I think we've kind of managed to unlock in mm, a sense. Yeah. Um, and it's just that like – when you're really – when there's certain players in the team, for example, Liza McNamara broke her back, you would have read about it. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff either rocks a team or brings – like galvanises and brings everyone together. And for us that was definitely the case. But it all came – Daisy having a baby brings course, everyone together. Yeah, yeah, yeah babies. Babies. So, awesome. yeah. Yeah, those type of things can – yeah, you can either think that, you know, when something substantial happens in anyone's life, you can either kind of continue moving forward and like – Mm. I'm, I'm at work, I'm at footy, all good. Or you can have 30 people, 29 people check in on you all the time. Like it just feels really different. So I feel very fortunate with that. Uh, yes, half time in this episode of The Life of Brian. Now I'd like to give this message. I'd like the opportunity to talk about our great friends at Grimley's, the number one source for fasteners and construction supplies in Melbourne. If you're on a construction site and need product urgently, then you can count on Grimley's Direct. Getting your orders to you on time, every time at speed with our fleet of Grimley's vans and trucks direct from us to you. It's that simple. Grimley's has been in the game for more than 30 years, earning a reputation built on grit, determination, and a focus on delivering the best sourced fasteners and construction supplies with a whatever-it-takes type attitude. Uh, whether it's a large commercial job, a small domestic little project, hardworking tradies need the right products at the right time. Grimley goes above and beyond to deliver on the details. Grimley's always aims for the best solutions to your products. Go to grimleys.com.au you for delivery that you can count on. I think something that all footballers have uh, probably tried is boxing preparation for football training. 
and you as a professional boxer as well are doing it for much more serious reasons. Which part? I know that I loved that. I know, Harrison, you love it. We, yeah. we have boxing facilities at our own place to We're be able to- We're not any good at it, but we love well, it. None of us are any good, but we love the process of, of the training and we love the immediate- Almost the immediate sense of um, fitness that you feel out of boxing training. Which part of it do you really like? And if we can narrow it down to say the bag, um, you know, uh, sparring in the ring, perhaps uh, the pads, uh, speedball, skipping, the actual gut exercises you do. Which part of it do you really, really enjoy doing? I love I love sparring. Sparring, right? I think the idea of Literally punching someone in the face and then thanking them for it. Like, you know, I think that that's, yeah, someone travels across town probably to come to your gym to help you prepare for a fight. They let you punch them in the face. They let you, yeah, and they punch you back for good measure. But then immediately after, big hug, photo probably, what do you do on the weekend? Like that kind of thing, I think, the camaraderie that's formed in a boxing gym when the whole concept of the sport is to hurt someone is just like out of this world. And I think you will never understand unless you actually Mm. are part of that community or understand like what goes into it. As I said with the kindness, how have you gone with, you know, as a boxer, you're supposed to hurt the other person. Yeah. Is that something that you've had to, you know, work yourself up to do? Yeah, I had to have a bit of a speaking to early on because I was my first, I think, four fights. There was opportunity for a knockout, but I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't it. close in on them? Yeah, so I would hit her and then I'd see that she's hurt and then I'd kind of be like, oh, right. oh she's hurt. Like, Jeez, you really got to be a killer, don't you? Yeah, so then my coach, uh, it was for the Australian title, the first Australian title that I was fighting for. He said, do you think she's going to stop and not knock you out to, to like, get her Australian title belt? No, like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then he was kind of explaining that, like, if I don't take the opportunity, like, he has to sit in the corner and stress more and, yeah, like, all right. these sorts of things pulling on my emotions. And I was like... Get them as, before they get you. Yeah, pretty much. And as yeah. soon as he said that it affects him more, as um, in, like, makes him more stressed, yeah. I was like, all right, that's how, you know, that's how, what I'll think now. And then all of a sudden I... So you're doing it for someone else. Yeah, yeah. That's the inspiration. Exactly. And that's yeah. what it's always going to be. And for, yeah. I'm not going to um, waver on the fact that I find inspiration from others in pretty much everything um, and that's the way I operate. I love playing and, like, trying to achieve something with my friends, but I don't love belting into people yeah, and, like, right. getting yeah. like, smashed in the back of the head. Do, and- do you reckon people, because I know that the players that I played with that were really good in, in the boxing uh, profession, you know, got a guy like Dennis Banks who I've mentioned to you many times, yep. there are many other players for other clubs that were really proficient in the skill of boxing, hadn't gone professional because they'd chosen football to go in that direction. But I know that on the field, because they had this reputation of being really good with their hands, yeah. that they were they were feared by other players in other teams. You know, don't go near this guy. He'll rip three into you before you even <laughs> know it sort of thing. Do you find it in the women's that that is the case with you, that people, people know that you're very capable and so therefore they just, yeah. They're just a little nervous about getting too close. I don't know. You'd have to ask someone else. But I reckon <laughs> the thing that's quite interesting for me is that if if anyone on the footy field tried to punch me, tried to fight me or whatever, I wouldn't punch them back right. because I know I can. Yeah. So it's like I think sometimes people who get into fights. And Great attitude. Yeah, on yeah. Like think about nightclubs whenever people yes. are fighting and stuff. They don't know what they're capable of. 
but a boxer is not going to go out and a belt someone. A boxer can be lethal. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. they're going to protect themselves, sure, but yeah. they're not going to do anything out of line. So I think that the, there's that, but people don't know that I I think that way. But, no, no one's tried to start much one of the with me. One of the things I've heard about you, and, and sponsorship is a really important part of what you do, you need it, everyone needs it, is you, you're, you're, you're with Nike and I've been – I hear little snippets from Harrison and Nikki, your management group, uh, every now and then and previous management groups about what you're doing. And, and Harrison, the, the whole Nike thing is amazing. You've, tr- you've travelled basically around the world going to these massive conferences that they have. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Nike and how that works in a worldwide sense. Yeah, I, I like to be with Nike in the capacity that I am, which is I'm quite entrenched in it. As you said, I've travelled around the world. I've, um, yeah, been obviously merch. Merch is a yeah. thing like you get stuff or whatever. But more to the point is the actual brand and like been, um, uh, I guess. Like a welcome into the family almost. Yeah, exactly. And I think Nike is such an impressive, clearly, like we know Nike yeah. is just a juggernaut. But uh, the way they go about it, and Harrison came to a conference recently. It was an all of stuff. Conference. Yeah, um, it was a, a like a quarterly update for all of their staff. They do it what, generally worldwide. Yeah, yeah, so like the CEO John Donohoe yeah. is that his name? They go around and they might go to certain regions and they'll do a broadcast out to sixty thousand plus employees. So sixty thousand. He'll address them. Yeah, yeah. He'll address Nike as you know. This is the update. I can do an American accent, but you know, this is what the numbers are looking like. This is what the campaign we've got coming up. And Taylor spoke at that with Kathy Freeman, which yeah. was incredible. Which was on the Monday or the Wednesday yeah. after the f- yeah the Monday. I fought on Wednesday. Spoke with Kathy Freeman at this like international Nike conference on the. Monday, so it was quite easy to get over the fight because I was like, I'm off to go and speak with Kathy Freeman. Wow. Like that, it was just my life sometimes is just I have to pinch myself because I'm so – like if I was 10 again and I'm thinking that I'm here, like I just wouldn't believe it because this yeah. is – I get to do some incredible stuff. Yeah. But I think uh, really early on I've always had the mentality that I need to um, not only like get to know the people who – uh, involved at Nike or, or sponsors in general, but like I actually care about them as people. Like D- Damo, I've got a really good relationship yeah. from Nike with and Tambo, and like there's and I've met people from the international crew over in America, and like that kind of relationship building is so important to me, and I mm. do believe that that's why opportunities pop well, up. What, of the Nike athletes, who have you met or been able to come into contact with? Yeah, recently I did the think tank yeah. with um, a bunch and there was a few of note like Michelle Wee West. So she's she, a golfer. A golfer, unbelievable, yeah. um, like super talent yeah. and has achieved the world. And then Laurie Hernandez was a gold medal gymnast. Um, she's only like 21. Wow. and she, Yeah, to have achieved that already is unbelievable. She's from America. There was plenty more. There was um, Romaine. She is a jiu-jitsu oh, yeah. fighter from Paris. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just people that have – absolutely like peaked in their sport or are on the way to and yeah. to be around them is just like it was really special and then obviously Dylan Alcott um friend of so, ours yeah and yeah it, to be able to pick his brain and then there was a few Paralympians um as well at this conference of sorts that I was at which yeah. I really enjoyed getting to know them and understand wow. their like, story it seems like Nike the two things that they do really well and probably better than any other brand in the space is the care for the athletes and bringing athletes together 100%. And then the storytelling, so telling those stories behind the athletes, 
It's it's just incredible what they do. Yeah, and listening. Like they just obviously that think tank, the whole point of it, and it was funded by Nike, was to try and hear the athletes what they want next and what we need next. What's so, important to them, yeah. And, yeah. and with the FIFA World Cup, they had the Federation hubs. Remember what at that yeah. at that um conference they were talking about like the designed recovery centers and all that for each governing federation of the of the teams involved in the World Cup. Yeah, and it was all custom for each team. So there was yeah. one particular team that flagged that they really wanted coffee. So Nike funded a barista to be in there <laughs> in their little section. Other teams wanted recovery boots, so they came in. Um, yeah. TV, PlayStation, whatever you want, like they made it happen. And, and all I the think- teams were at it without a and or whatever other brand. Yeah. They were like, oh, hang, hang on, <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, that was the uh, – John, the CEO of Nike, said that the biggest compliment of all was athletes from other brands saying, that. I wish I was with Nike. Yeah. So I guess that kind mm, of says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Back, about- on, back on the boxing, I just had one question around – so as a sports fan, both Brian and I, Brian grew up watching boxing um, and throughout the 80s and 90s, it was really massive because all the world heavyweight champions were big yeah. and there was oh, there was wet. I can tell why, you now, why, just- why can't I get into boxing now? Like I want to watch it and I'm, I'm really interested in the UFC because that's all like there's weight divisions but it's just like the UFC. There's other competitions. But- can, I, can I tell you what happened a little bit before okay, Taylor's time yep. in boxing? The reason that it's no longer – the number one form of, you know, fighting is because the fighters wouldn't fight each other through their management. So those heavyweights that you spoke about, Holmes and Ali and Norton and all of those guys, Harrison, their managers would get in the way and it would take years for the fights to happen. The thing about the MMA is they're made to fight regularly and against the best. You know, their their opponents are picked for them and you're told you've got to fight this guy. The UFC or this girl. contracts over a certain amount of yeah. period and you're going to fight this amount of times. And I just reckon that's where boxing just dropped off the pace. It may be able to fight its way back, but it's going to be a hard road for him. How do you see the MMA yeah. versus boxing sort of thing? I agree. And recently Terence Crawford and Errol Spence, did you hear yeah. about that one? That was yeah. a mega fight. Like yeah. That was two guys in their prime. Uh, like in a stacked weight division fighting and in the end Terence Crawford yeah. just do- dominated, yeah. which was awesome. There'll be a rematch. But those kind of fights will save boxing. But then there's other boxers, um, like, for example, Tyson Fury at the moment isn't fighting Usyk yeah. because of, I presume, money and, like, yeah. contractual reasons, whatever. It's it's fine, but it's like it's just as a fan frustrating. It's like yeah, it is all, very all we want is to see that fight. It would be amazing. Yeah, I want to get into it. But I, I mean, these I names would mean nothing to you, but this happened on a regular basis. There'd be four of these fights a year in different in different weight divisions. Harrison, a name, and people out there would remember that are about my age. So, I went to see Roberto Duran, one of the oh, yeah. greatest boxers of all time, against Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler, who was the best middleweight in the world at the time, and. I went to see that in Vegas, watched them train for the week leading up to it. It was the last 15-round fight ever. They went back to 12 rounds after that. Those fights against that quality were common. They, they would happen two, three, four times a year. Now you're lucky to get them in the ring once and they don't want to fight each other. They're all worried about protecting their belts. And Yeah, I know. think also the fact that there's the four-belt 
era yes. before belt, you know. That's in right. Each weight class, you mean? Yeah, it's right? just yeah. it's yeah. become a money. And what are they? So the- I- IBF, WBO, WBA, WBC. This yeah. is what I mean. Like, yeah. can we just have one belt? That's and right. One yeah. governing body around the world. Like- and there's so many promoters and so many. Di- like, it's just become really complicated and yeah. hard for fans. There's so many different streaming services, all that sort of thing. But yeah, I totally agree. The UFC have nailed it from a, you know, from a business point of view because yeah. they. They just make it easy to consume and they make it good content. Yes. Like that's all it needs to be. But, yeah, boxing's gone um, a bit funny in that sense. But Do you want to be uh, a world champion, by the way? Is that is that what you really want to do? Do you want to go, yeah. you want to go uh, on? Yes, I, do, I yeah. do and I can. And I also won't apologise for like saying that now. And, I mean, obviously I hope it happens and I'll try and get there. But if AFLW next week said we're going full-time, that's obviously a decision I'll have to make. Right. But um, whether that happens or not, it remains to be seen. But for as long as I can juggle both, I will. And then obviously the decision to be made if and when AFLW goes full-time, that's when I'll yeah. have to think. But right now I don't know. Another boxing question, and this might sound like a silly one, but from a fan perspective, talk us through the difference between amateur and professional. Like yeah. you're obviously not going to the Olympics and competing with gold medals because it's a different style of competition. Yeah. I look at someone like Sky Nicholson who's competed at the Olympics and Commonwealth Games and now has now gone professional. Yes. What's like the difference between the two? Yeah, so it's two different sports pretty much. So there's amateur boxing, which is your pathway to get to the Olympics, which it seems strange that the Olympics isn't necessarily the peak of the yeah. sport. Yeah, Um, But it's three rounds, three minutes. Uh, I think girls are three minutes too. But in professional boxing, it's any amount of rounds. Um, for a, for a belt, it'll be eight, ten or twelve rounds. Um, in women's boxing, it's two minute rounds rather than three minutes. Right. Men's are three minutes. Uh, no headgear, and you can wear your own outfit. It's more of a theater. It's more theater. Professional boxing, obviously, it's prize fighting. So it's a whole show. Amateur boxing, I think, is more obviously that technical side of the sport. Less knockouts, I presume, by percentages, but still knockouts. But it's yeah, probably more about point scoring. Uh, and then, yeah, professional boxing is very much. Over. And how do you score points? Obviously by hitting them, but specifically. Yeah. yeah so there's different, um, I mean, obviously you can, there's exchanges that go on. So you've yeah. got, I don't know, six or eight punches in an exchange. You either win that exchange not or not, or you might tie. Uh, and then the scoring is if they're, if it's professional boxing, there's eight rounds, it's out of 80 points. You either score eight, nine or 10 points for the round. If you get a knockdown, you your opponent obviously automatically goes yeah you win that you know, round down you win that round yep. so yeah the scoring is i think i wouldn't want to be a judge it's similar to afl footy yeah it's like, tough it's hard you, yeah and there's so much scrutiny and it like it's all eyes on you and um hey, you bring yeah. up some good points in that and i'm really interested in your thoughts on this taylor i really am like so in the in the men's footy uh, this this is what i would want as a as a man playing men's footy and now looking at the women playing and doing really good job, I, I would like to see certain things to make it better for the women. Yeah. For some reason, the AFLW didn't want this to happen right from the start. That is, they pushed back on the smaller footy, which they eventually brought in and got, so it's a slightly smaller footy, because it's common sense. Men's hands yeah. are bigger than women's hands, yeah. and it's all about gripping the footy when you're I'd kicking the footy. I'd have one of the biggest set of yeah. hands, and I'm, yeah. And, I'm still not, you know. And I would look at the 50. See, I I think that in women's footy they should get rid of the 50 and make it a 30. Why do they leave a line there that makes people compare them? 
And then I and thirdly, I would say the size of the ground. Make it slightly smaller. This is all about making women's football look better. Yeah. Would you agree with those or I is think, there a reason why you don't want those? Well, days? I think early on and it's like just a bit of pain for long-term gain really. Like in 10 years, I know that the game will produce the product that everyone desires. 100% better. Um, now, there's snippets of it for sure at the moment and in some games, uh, for majority of games, it's a, it's a great – like our game on Friday night, I have had plenty of people say to me that that was a great game of footy to watch. Um, there's some – pretty good passages of play. Yeah. Mick, our coach, was showing our review uh, and he said the early years, because he's coached at the D's for the whole time yeah. through AFLW, early on he would have so to- So we're into season eight now. Season eight now. He would have to cut the clip. He's showing a highlight. He would have to cut the clip because the passage of play would break down because of a yeah, skill right. error. But yeah. now the clip goes for a whole through. passage because yeah. there's, yeah, skill level has come up so far. But I think- the thing that will be the difference is obviously when we become full-time. Right now we're doing full-time training for part-time pay Yeah, and like just forcing it. A like lot of the clubs have now shifted to daytime training, is yeah, that right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's not sustainable. Um, there's players like Ab Colvin, for example, who's turning up after she's a full-time electrician, turns up at training like mm. in her in her work gear, exhausted as anything, and then she, you know, gets out. Onto you know, the we all train. used to do. I used to do that I, because I was in the semi-professional era as well, exactly. like you are. Yeah, and I had to. I was a plumber. That's, I'd come to training absolutely knackered. Exactly, and that's injuries become prevalent, like yeah. things like that. I think if the AFL want the products that they desire and the fans want that product, it's just going to have to be that. Mm. Um, there's going to have to be a bit of give and take. But it's not going to happen overnight. Is no, of course not, yeah. and it can't. Like I, I don't think. I think there's. I've been a few players in the league who have made comments that have probably frustrated me a bit. Um, I think a lot of people don't really understand that there's a bit of a process. We have to actually commit now before it's going to happen as athletes to that full-time training, you know, capacity. Like yeah. we have to build that base. Then we can achieve the full-time. But there's players I think who think we we need full-time first, then they'll start training hard. So, so when do you think, it, how long are you thinking before it goes full-time? Oh, I think, well, I don't know how long before it actually does because I don't know what yeah. the AFL's thinking. But if if next season they said full-time, I can uh, like guarantee and I put my life on it that the product would go through the roof. And this, Harrison, this goes back to your question. You say to us or you say to me all the time, Dad, you wouldn't have got a game in today's footy. <laughs> and I say exactly what what Taylor says now. I say if I'd trained professionally and trained full time, I would get a game because you had football. Everyone has the football now. You just need to be trained professionally mm. and full time to then be able to do it. And that's what I would. That's how I would answer your stupid questions that you hit me <laughs> with, Dad. What would you know? You've got no idea. Don't you agree? And even the pathways now for the women. Finally, we are seeing. We're starting to see those those girls haven't uninterrupted pathway from when yep. they're little tiny kids. They used to have to stop when they were 13 or 14. Now we're seeing that go all the way through. We're seeing better coaches go back at that level yep. that are teaching the skills properly. And the coaching's so a big one. The ultimate it result is. at the end of all of that is when they get to 16, 17, 18, they, they are all like Taylor Harris. They are all like Daisy Pierce. They're, they're, they're equipped to be able to play in a professional Manner. Yeah, and they have the understanding of what's expected. So when I first went into the FOW, I was 18. It was the first season ever. I've 
gone from playing local footy at the Zilmere Eagles where our glass clubhouse window was smashed in every week. Is like, it the quaffle? Or yeah, in the quaffle. Yeah, no, yeah. no running water in the toilet, like all that sort of stuff. But I loved it. It's community footy. It's, yeah. you know, the way we roll. But training one hour a week, if that, you know, and it's pretty average yeah. standard. Then immediately into AFLW, playing for the Brisbane Lions in the first season. I'm 18. I wouldn't know a thing about standards. I wouldn't know a thing about professionalism. Uh, I'm from Brisbane. I'm, you know, every, everyone's relaxed. A little bit like backward. A little bit uh, yeah. backward up there. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I'm thrust into that environment and I'm like, just working it out along the way. And I've only just worked it out. Like literally this season or last season, I reckon, I've just worked out what's required and what uh, what it takes to then produce a, a high-quality four-quarter game of footy. Uh, and also I've only played less – well, I've just played 50 games or last season. So uh, – and I would be one of the most experienced I, – I think I almost am, like the top five most games played in the history of the league. Yeah. And I'm like – and I'm saying I'm just working it out. Like, yeah. isn't that – Yeah. And then there's players like Maddie Presbarkas who won the league best and fairest who's played a handful of games. Like – and we also play a 10-game season. Yeah. The men's footy only just gets – that connection piece from round probably twelve onwards, really. Like, yeah. So yeah. So to play fifty plus games is pretty massive when you yeah. when you got a ten game season. Yeah, absolutely. It's like yeah, a, it's, it's been like a, a three hundred two two to three hundred game player. Yeah, without yeah. the actual experience experience yeah. of being out there, I think so much comes from just being on the field playing footy. Because like then obviously the pressure's on round one. We start again uh, and. Those little decision making things that you. I think I think the professional, the fully professional thing for the women. I don't think it'll come next year. I think it'll come in your lifetime as a footballer. You're 26. Let's say you go till you're 32. I think it'll definitely come in that time. I'm not sure that it'll come next year. I'm not. No, sure I, I definitely. Shitty, I, 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 I definitely wouldn't think hold my it'll be. Next I definitely year. think it'll be in your time as a footballer, though. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I hope so, and yeah. I think so too. And it's just going to take. It will literally take Andrew Dillon. To bite the bullet and just go, let's make it happen. Yep. Just like Gil did, yep. which uh, early days. And I think, yeah, and it'll be a, probably a major sponsor comes in. Like there's a lot of things, obviously, that have to go into this. Yeah. And I'm not acting like, oh, money should get thrown around and it's easy. Yep. But I am saying that I know that the investment will be worth it. And in terms of business, the AFL is a business. If they want to make a business decision, which clearly women's sport is on the up, then that's the decision to make. It's just investing in your own product. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's going to be times and all the arguments about ticket sales and whatever. It's nothing to do with that. It's like the – I've had some conversations with – from commercially from sponsors who have literally said they will only sponsor the league or the AFL or the men's team if the women's team is also part of the package. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not in. Yeah. I've had um, people come up to me and, and say, like, we – we only want to sponsor the women's yeah. league. Look, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The sponsors are there. There's no, there's no doubt for women's football that they're there. For women's sport, generally they're there now. I reckon we've made a inroads into that in a big way. I think now for our game of football to succeed at a women's level is we now just need to fast track those kids that are coming through, yeah. give them the skills, give them the uninterrupted pathway, give them the quality coaching and we will quickly get it to a stage. People will be surprised in 10 years' time what women's football will look like. And, and to add to that, the inspiration of the role models, as we are talking about before with, you know, the glowing state of women's sport in Australia right now, we, talk, we think about the Matildas, think about people like yourselves, 
you know, 10 years Basketballers, ago, 15 years the ago, netballers. those role models didn't exist. You, yeah. you can't be what you can't see. Those people now exist. So think of the five to 10-year-old girls now that are seeing mm. that. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's the coolest thing to think about. And like, there's even kids coming in now that are getting drafted that are just like, they, I don't know, they're just walking in and they've just got it. So yeah. it's so good. It's so exciting. I love that like there's – so Eden Zenko in our team at the moment is pushing me out of my position, which I love. Like yeah. probably for the first time in my career I'm kind of like I better – you know, I better think about. You might have to go back soon. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe I'll, yeah, I'll turn defender. I'll do I'll do a days and go all over the field. Yeah, uh, but no, I yeah, it, I love that competitive in team competitive rivalry for spots. It is so important for a successful team, and I'm I'm feeling we're all feeling the pinch at Melbourne at the moment, which is great. Yep. So I think that's going to play into our hands, and we're going to have a really successful season. Before we let you go, I want to ask you about one thing that I know sits, I think, a little bit uncomfortably with you. Oh, what is this? I don't but know. <laughs> it, it's just the statue. Oh, you know? and it's, it's, it's a thing that I know that you just want to get on with it and just w- what's happened has happened and yeah. that's good. But now that that's all happened and people take the piss and hang shit on you over this and they carry on like two Bob watchers, where do, how do you feel with it now after being able to reflect, look back on how it was all handled and that? What would How would you sum it up in a paragraph now, the whole statue thing? Uh, I won't say it was – no, it wasn't a fiasco. Of course it wasn't a fiasco, but it was maybe early. How do you look at it now? Oh, it's a, to be fair, the statue actually has nothing to do with me. It doesn't even have my name on it. Right. You think it's more about the – I know it's more about because I, that was the only reason yeah. that I – um, I asked for it to have no face. Right. I asked for it to have no name. I asked for it to be pure. It, on the statue, it says yeah. more than a kick. That's right. it. It doesn't have any reference so to So just me. reflecting the game. Yeah, yeah. Refre- reflecting the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the thing that people don't care to understand and I don't care to listen to them if yeah. they're not going to take the time to understand that. Yeah. Um, the thing that has been obviously uh, impacts is people are so – they're so uh, relentless when they want, when they've got an opinion. It's unbelievable. It's like, it? but who cares? Yeah, like, yeah, move on. Yeah, I didn't pay for it. You yeah. know, Nab did. They yeah. it was their choice, uh, and I didn't ask for it. it. Yeah, it just happened, and now we roll on with it. But I think the thing that yeah, if anyone actually took the time to walk up and be like, they wouldn't even know who it is if yeah. they didn't know about the. So you see, you see it classically as it's more, it's more to uh, everyone has the right to. To be involved in sport at whatever level. When the kicking photo incident unfolded, uh, there were so many people that were impacted in so many ways from that discussion starting. Absolutely. So many positive ways, so yeah. many it shed light on so many things that needed to be discussed. Yeah. The conversation started. Yeah. That statue represents that. the line in the stand moment. Mm. Good on you. It's like, to be fair, like it, it was – it should be a statue of Michael Wilson. Like he took, yeah. you know, he, he took, took the, the photo. photo. A photographer for those that don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think the statue thing for me a little bit uncomfortable because of the way that it's been misunderstood. Yes, for sure. But in saying that, like I don't really yeah. care to waste energy on trying to explain to people who don't want to understand. If you hear this podcast and think, oh. I thought it was all about her. Now you know otherwise. Yeah. So now you can just go Perfect. on with your life. Well said. Leave it there. Um, dog lover. Yes. Two, border, two collies. border collies, brown and white. We grew up with border collies. <laughs> yes, black and white. Johnson yep. Research. Yes. Yeah, we um we love our border collies and love our dogs. Tell us about your relationship with with is it Elaine and Beans. Beans. So, Elaine from Seinfeld. Yes. Jesus, they're going to keep you fit. 
Oh, they're just the best. I my dogs are my life. Like, yeah. I, and well, my I'm dog sure is my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little Hansel, the King yeah. Charles Cavalier, not yeah. quite a border collie. <laughs> um, but I just like so I got beans when I moved to Victoria uh, from Brisbane. Obviously, here on my own, and I got him after a, a year and a half of living with the Camerons, Jan, yep. Yep. Sarah, Jan Jess, and Angus, yep. um, who I feel so lucky to have. They've landed. been really important to you. They have, yep. yeah, host family. So I landed yep. there, and they had turtle, the border collie. I love turtle, and I then obviously had to have my own little companion and it was going to be a border collie after Turtle's influence. And then, yeah, Beans came along and he was just my little mate. And then between then and now I've moved different houses along the way. I've had, you know, plenty of shit hit the fan and whatever, but yeah. the one consistent was Beans the yeah. whole way. So he is my um, little man. And then Elaine came on, uh, came along a recruited few years later. Yeah, recruited, how did, yeah. How, did, how did Beans handle Elaine? She, uh, great. The best oh. thing ever is the video of her as an eight-week-old little puppy meeting Beans at the gate, who's a monster of a border collie. Yeah. And he's kind of looking down on her and she does this little bark. And I was like, this is good. This is the perfect dog. <laughs> and so she holds her own. He kind of, yeah, he loves her. It's the classic scenario when a when a big like strong dog then loves this little little puppy. Speaking of big strong things, when you look at Brian, you, you don't think there would be a thing that could change the tone of his voice when he sees Hansel and he gives him a big hug. Hello, little fella. Do you, do you kiss Hansel on the lips? Absolutely. Oh, it's Absolutely. disgusting. Do you tongue kiss Hansel? Yeah, I don't. Do, I don't do the tonguey, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy to give him a kiss on the lips. <laughs> Um, as long as I know he uh, hasn't been out sniffing. Oh, well, I can promise he has. And licking his genitals, I yes, believe. that's right. So, no, it is strange what dogs can do to people. My wife gets really put off by it because, you know, when I arrive home after a weekend of footy and the dog comes running out to greet me, of course... Tanya doesn't come running out to greet me. <laughs> the dog does. So I give the affection to the dog. And, and then she says, what about me? I said, well, you haven't run out to greet me. Yeah, it's something to work on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, They're great. They're, they're great companions. Dogs, like, uh, I'll never waver. Like, dogs change your life. Yeah, and absolutely. they're just so they, – because you can have the worst day ever. Yeah. And they don't care. They don't care. They, you, turn yep. up, you turn up at home and they're just as happy. So, yeah, I feel like my dogs are very much my, my little um, – yeah, little safe spot. To, to wrap this up, yep. um, so on the show we're sponsored by Grimleys. Yes. Grimleys go above and beyond. That's what they do. Mm. Taylor, when has someone gone above and beyond in your life, professional or personal? Oh, Grimleys. Um, and you mentioned Jan and Angus before, yeah, your reckon- host family. How is that a case of gone above and yeah, beyond? Great, yes, great um, segue. Jan, I reckon, is the one that, if I was to call anyone, um, we know Jan, and, and she, when she when you know her, she's in your corner and yeah, in your corner to the death. Analogy. Jan works at Channel Seven, by the way, and is also a host family for people like yourself. Yeah, so um, my parents are in Brisbane, obviously. Jan is my mum down here, and I feel like if I yeah, if I was to call anyone, needed anything, did, yep. did anything, and had to you know cover it up, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Jan, Jan's oh, the one to call. So definitely. yeah, no, I just yeah, Mrs. I, Fix It. I reckon Jan Cameron is um, the above and beyond. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Nomination. There you Absolutely. go. Go to grimleys.com.au for delivery. You can count on. Thank you, Taylor, so much for joining us. Brian, anything, any final words? Uh, no, I think we're just about done. Uh, beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank Bye. You.